0: Morena, no my kiti kōrero. Welcome to the Catch-Up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Irarangi Onatangata o o Manawatu. It is a Thursday morning and that means we turn our attention to Horizons Regional Council. And if you think back to a fortnight ago, we had CEO Michael McCartney on the phone uh, telling us what Level 4 lockdown was going to look like and the implications of that. And I guess in some good news, uh, you know, it's only been a fortnight, but now we are here with the chat. Chairperson of Horizons Regional Council, uh, Rachel Keedwell, talking about Level 3. So obviously, uh, Rachel, things have worked. Good morning to you.
1: Morning, you Fraser.
0: Uh, yeah, so things uh, appear to have uh, worked quite well in the snap lockdown that we had. The team of 5 million have behaved themselves sufficiently to at least contain this Delta outbreak uh, to Tamaki Makoro, the, the Auckland uh, area. Um, but that still, we're obviously not out of the woods yet. We're still in level three, which some people colloquially refer to as level four with takeaways Um, so that means I assume that some of the Horizons activities are still restricted Um, but maybe give us an idea Rachel on what is starting to ease up and what we can expect Horizons to do I guess particularly around public transport which is one of the sort of most forward-facing things that Horizons offers. Mm. Yeah so
1: Horizons has had a has had a coordinating role same as last time in terms of we activated our emergency coordination centre uh, and so there's a whole lot of planning that's been in place for stepping down to level three as to what that means. At the moment most of our staff are working from home. Some of them aren't doing much work because the um, speed at which we went into lockdown meant they couldn't necessarily get the equipment or the files or whatever that they needed and Michael was been pretty strict on saying you know level four is level four so there'll be people now making their way to the office over the next few days. there's a system set up to let people in so they don't all swarm in at the same time and to grab the equipment they need so that they can safely work from home. Um, we there'll be some of our field work staff of course will be able to get out there people are in possum control there'll be the surveys um, to look at the flood protection equipment um, and assets, the water monitoring, Um, there were things like a bunch of plants that have been sitting in our nurseries that needed to be delivered need to get them in the ground of course before it gets too late so anything like that that we can do that can be done in a contactless way um, that's that's the sort of work that's getting underway
0: Um, When we uh, were in lockdown the first time round, obviously it was a longer period of time, but what a lot of people noticed was how quickly nature bounced back and and encroached in in urban areas. I guess that means for things like possum control, any time when you're not out there maintaining the traps and and monitoring that, the the population can, I, I assume, quite quickly run rampant again.
1: Yeah, and if you remember from last time that Pukaha Mount Bruce that They do a lot of trapping there. They've got a, a sanctuary with kiwi in it. And I, from memory, I think there were four or five kiwi were killed by ferrets. And that's all it took just for the, the trapping to have stopped for a few weeks to let the predators get out of control. So I'm really hoping at this time, because it was for a shorter period of time and people are back out there now, that it's not going to have done too much damage.
0: I think I was looking on the Horizons website. You were going to be doing something around old man's beard, um, possibly just before lockdown. Did that manage to get done?
1: Uh, yeah, so there's a, a gall mite, I think it is. It's like a, a biocontrol agent to, to uh, help uh, stop the old man's beard from growing as vigorously. I don't think it gets rid of it altogether, but it does impact on its growth. Um Uh, They were going to be putting that out and there was going to be a field day and things, so I think they have scaled that down, but I'm pretty sure that the process is still underway and they're going to get it out in the field.
0: Now, we spoke to uh, Jason McDowell uh, yesterday uh, on the catch-up. He's the, the controller, for want of a better term, for Palmerston North City Council, uh, w- which cohabitates with Horizons in Tel in uh, Palmerston North, uh, a great hub for things like civil defence and emergencies and, as it turns out, pandemics. Um, and he was saying that uh, this time round, that, that the City Council uh, is, is very much in a sort of coordinating role. This was echoed by uh, Mayor Helen Warboys from Manawatu District Council, sort of um, linking people up with agencies and MSD and, in fact, central government and the Ministry for Social De- uh, Social Development are uh, very much in control of the welfare side of things, which was a big part of what Horizons and MDC and the City Council did last time round. So are things a little less frantic in Te Al-Nui this time?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's it's actually much more appropriately run than it's been the central government focus, so um, MSD really stepped up and they have been coordinating all of the assistance that's been needed. And so, yes, we've had a much more hands-off role. We um, There's still a lot of planning that goes on and a lot of coordination that goes on, but not the, the same amount of action on the ground from councils because that was in the hands of the NSD. Um, Iwi and Pacifica really were involved. Again, their networks sprung into action. They really have some good networks going on there. And um, we've, of course, had them sitting on the leadership group uh, that's been meeting a couple of times a week just to keep everyone up to speed and allowing all those messages and things to be passed on. I don't know if Jason touched on it yesterday, that also the way we ran the ECC and the EOCs were different, that we had a team blue and a team green, so that if one team was taken out by Delta, we had another team to step in because we realised last time that that was a potential weakness of the system.
0: Ah, so we can, we can uh, rest assured that learnings are happening and being implemented. Yeah, absolutely
1: they are. Yeah. We actually had a team white on standby
0: as well. So. Oh, well, there you go. Um, now, listen, uh, the, as I said, public transport, very much that forward-facing side of things. Uh, I understand level four, uh, public transport was really for essential workers. Uh, and I, I don't know, was it also for people that simply had no other way of getting to, for example, the supermarket?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was if you needed to make an essential trip, you could take the bus. Um, very, very few numbers. We the first. So we went into lockdown on that Tuesday night, and the Wednesday continued to run the buses at the full timetable, just because we hadn't had time to give everyone a uh, heads up as to what what the changes would be. And then after that, well, since then it has been running at the reduced timetable of. Saturday or Sunday. Sorry, I don't. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's it's basically the lowest timetable that it can be. Um, and of course, there are no fares entering on through the back door, so keeping the drivers safe. And now that we're in level three, um, we're encouraging people to use their B cards again. So we are charging fares, but of course, we still don't want to do any cash handling. So if you don't have a B card, um, we're not going to leave you on the side of the road. But it's a it's a good opportunity to. Start thinking about how you can do it because it, it does mean it's contactless.
0: So, well, I mean, I mean that is uh, good. That you know, I, I'm assuming the drivers have been instructed not to leave people behind if they can't pay. I mean, we're in a, a difficult situation at the moment, so this is, I, I guess, kind of like the police with the, the 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 border up in Auckland. It's education.
1: Yeah, that's right. It is. It is, and um, and it's also. and you know, a lot of people have switched over to using a B card, but they still tend to top up on the bus which of course they can't do now so you know it's another good opportunity for them to start thinking about how they could how they could top up online just changing some of those habits
0: very good. We are here with Rachel Keedwell from Horizons Regional Council, the chairperson of Horizons, uh, on the catch-up. Remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your online listening. Uh, is there anything else that people should expect as a difference uh, between level four and level three when it comes to their dealings with Horizons?
1: Uh, Well, our our offices still aren't open, so you can't come in. It is rate season, of course, so that makes it a little trickier because we don't take cheques either. I know that Horizons has uh, dropped the credit card surcharge so that if people might have originally come in to pay in person in some way, they can now put it to a credit card and they don't get pinged with extra fees. Um, Yeah, so it it, it is a little tricky, but... um, there are still the options out there for people to to make sure they can interact. They can still ring our 0800 number and get through and get their questions answered.
0: Is there any uh, accommodation or thought to people that might be finding the financial hardship starting to kick in again with this lockdown when it comes to rates?
1: Yeah, yeah. We we always, I mean, at any rate season, there are people who find it difficult. It is is tough. And I know we have um, a significant increase in rates this year compared to other years. So like we always say, you can set up a direct debit payment uh, to stretch it out over the year rather than taking on one big bill. And if you really are struggling, you just have to get in touch. And we're really flexible about putting in place arrangements to, to help you in whatever your personal situation is.
0: Uh, With Level 3, obviously, uh, some people can go back to work, and uh, particularly if the work is outdoors, it seems a lot's kicking off. Again, we spoke to Jason McDowell from the City Council, and he was saying the building inspectors will be out and and getting that work underway. A lot of people in the construction business will uh, be able to start working on certain things, particularly when it comes to uh, roadworks and maintenance. And, of course, that also means that the work will be restarting on the Manawatu Gorge replacement route. Uh, That's pretty good news because, I mean, this is one of those projects that is just integral to this whole region, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's a really ambitious project. It only takes a a few weeks of um, poorly placed bad weather to put that whole timetable on its ear because there's so much they can't do in winter because of the earthworks. Uh, You can't do big earthworks in winter. So really good to know that they can get people back out there and, uh, you know, we've got a lovely fine week forecast um, it's been fine for a few days and fine for a few more to come so really great that they can get out there and keep that work going
0: Um, Horizons, as we've mentioned many times uh, on this show, the boundary is just ridiculously huge. It's an an enormous area to cover. And of course, uh, comprising uh, highly urban areas, very rural areas and everything in between. And of course, those areas would be affected uh, very differently when it comes to uh, a lockdown. Are there any areas of particular interest or, or areas that you're monitoring closely for fear of either people's welfare or environmental aspects that need to be closely monitored?
1: No, not that I'm aware of. I don't think we had any of the iwi checkpoints that were set up, the roadblocks that were set up, and I think we had a few of those in the Roi district last time around. Um, that, so I don't think that's been happening. I also understand that under Level 3, there's been quite a few questions as to what does local now mean under Level 3. And uh, the police definition that I heard in this morning's briefing was pretty much like treating it as the region. So if you live in Palmerston North, you could technically go and do your grocery shopping in Taumaranui. Um, probably don't recommend that because that's travelling uh, way more than what is necessary. But just so if people were confused, uh, it, you can cross into the neighbouring uh, district. So if you're in Palmerston North, you can get to Danny Burke, for example, if you needed to do something that involved that trip. So that's that's been quite good whereas under level 4 it was very much stay really local
0: Indeed, Um, I guess the next thing is, of course, on Monday we'll be hearing from the government uh, to update us on uh, how long we can expect Level Three to be. Uh, We've heard on uh, yesterday, on Wednesday, that uh, the case numbers took a bit of a jump up again. Uh, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield uh, keen to point out this wasn't unexpected, and the one Wellington case, which everyone would have pricked their ears up when they heard that, uh, seems to be well identified as as, as, as a. family case. Um, so if things go well, there's the potential that we could see a, a swift move to level two. That is speculation. I haven't heard anything that no one el- that anyone else hasn't. But um, if we move to level two, I'm assuming uh, Horizons is working hard on what that will mean, because that is a big step in terms of, of freedoms and, and lack of restrictions
1: yeah yeah so level two we can pretty much get back to doing business as usual there's not too much that would be off the table um we do still uh would be observing the distancing so although you know what what what's interesting i haven't really thought this one through as much as is delta now that we know that it's airborne rather than aerosol spread and before we were saying you could all be in the same room as long as you're kept far enough apart but uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the latest thinking is on that. If you've got 20 people in the room, you may be far enough apart, but you're still breathing in the same ear. So we, we had decided at level two, we won't be holding the formal council meetings in there because we can't get the adequate spacing. Um, so next week, we've got a bunch of formal meetings, council meetings, and they'll all be on Zoom still. Um, but yeah, really, we can still do most things, like the fact that Zoom is, is available and people are used to it now. We've just been switching over to doing that as much as we can in the meantime.
0: Well, at the danger of sharing my opinion, not everyone's used to it. Uh, Judith Collins uh, throwing her toys out <laughs> the pram at the thought, mere thought of holding uh, something governmental via Zoom. But as it turns out, every local body, uh, local government uh, organisation has been doing this for, well, months. Exactly. Yeah, so.
1: exactly. And what was fascinating to me is how quickly people adjusted. So when lockdown was announced, I remember last time round, we we shut down from a government governance perspective, shut down for a good week as we figured out how to make everything work. But this time it was overnight. It was like, oh, okay, we'll just reschedule everything onto Zoom. There was it was barely a pause in business. It was just you, you just rescheduled everything so that you were meeting virtually instead. So I yeah I don't I quite understand why. Um, yeah, why
0: Judith felt that that was not an option for you? Not, not that I'm, uh, uh, not, not that we're sponsored by Zoom or anything. But it is an awesome tool. I mean, we are using it right now for this. But you know, for meetings and things, there's you can push buttons to raise your hand, so you know, voting can be done that way. I mean, th- there's so many options out there. Um, it, uh, yes, it is my opinion that uh, I think Judith is a little out of touch. Have
1: you used Have you
0: used Teams though? Yes, I have yeah, used but- Teams as well. I don't think it's quite as good.
1: No, no, no. I find that one really difficult because you can't see everyone. So particularly if you're chairing a meeting, you can't see everyone's faces and it makes it very difficult to get a feel for
0: how the meeting's going. you got to look for the eye rolling when people don't think they're being <laughs> watched. That's the ticket. Um, well, let's move. Let's not dwell on that. Let's move on. A reminder, we are here with Rachel Keedwell from Horizons Regional Council um, talking there about COVID-19, the lockdown, move, in, moving into level three. And of course, hopefully uh, next week, uh, we could cross our fingers for an announcement of a move to level two uh, and the freedoms that that will in, uh, entail. Um, but obviously, as you mentioned there, Rachel, business as usual has to continue and and this time we've been lucky with the the tools like Zoom that there's been barely a pause and there are a couple of reviews that um, people should be aware of and get ready to uh, submit on or let the council know what's going on. Let's start with the representation review. Um, This is obviously as a result of the decision to have Maori wards ready for next year's election—an uh, aspirational goal, but one it sounds like you might just meet.
1: Yes, we definitely will be having Maori wards. Uh, the what we're going to be consulting on, s- starting from next week, is uh, exactly what the what that arrangement looks like. So, the plan that we've come up with. So, what as part of this process, we have to go out to the public with our preferred option. We've had a couple of workshops and a meeting where we've really nutted this through. You were referring to the size of the Horizons region, the fact it's very large. It makes it very, very difficult to get fair representation across the region if we cut the numbers of councillors down too much. Um, We looked at lots of different options to get the numbers down, but really there was no easy way to do it. So what we've settled on, what the proposal is we're going out with next week, is to maintain the existing 12 councillors across the region. So that's four in Palmerston North and the other ones through the other five um, constituencies. And then we are adding two Māori um, councillors and they are going to be in two separate constituencies. So there will be one that is uh, kind of sort of fielding Palmerston North and South and across to the Tararua and the other one will be north of that up to to and Rupihu and out to Whanganui, so the feedback we're seeking is: have we got it right? Uh, and um, and particularly with the Māori constituencies, you know, having two rather than one because we we we're, we're constrained in the numbers um, that there has to be two Māori councillors based on the, the size of the voting rolls and things. But should we have that as one constituency, so two councillors across the entire region, or have we got it right splitting it into two? So there's a number of aspects that people can comment on
0: and give feedback on. So that will bring the total number of councillors to 14?
1: 14, yeah. So we've got 12 at the moment and it will go up to 14. And for those people who think that we're just um, trying to get more ratepayers' money, it's the same pot of money but just spread more thinly.
0: So you're taking a pay cut then?
1: Well, I'm actually quite privileged if I come back as chair. I won't be because the chair's salary is not affected by that. You have a pool that all the other councillors' salary comes out of. That's my understanding. I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. I should go and double check that. But um, the, the only concern I have in that approach is that if we lower the salary too much, so we're now you know having to lower each individual salary, does that make it outside the domain of someone who um, you know is otherwise independently wealthy or retired because they have other sources of income? Um, I, I don't think it will be a problem because even with the reduced salary that will be for next time round, that's still more than the minimum wage mm. uh, would be. So it's still highly um, – people are able to take this on as a job without any other income and still make it work, I believe.
0: it's uh, You say it's still going to match minimum wage. Is it going to match a living wage?
1: Um, Yeah, it would be living wage as well because when you when you look at it, we're getting paid that. But um, I don't think there are any councillors in my council that could say they work full time. It's it's definitely not a full time position.
0: And of course, there are. uh, I I hesitate to use the word perks when it comes to ratepayers' money, but there are uh, allowances and expenses that councillors can get back for travel and things for being on council business.
1: Yeah, so because we have such a large region, if you've got people travelling, um, you know, so our councillor from that lives in Tōmatanui. every time we have a meeting that he attends in person, um, that's a good five hours drive. So he does get reimbursed for that time, which I think, um, you know, you're not going to get rich off that. It's just covering the actual and reasonable costs.
0: Now, I've been uh, in the, let's call them the chambers of Horizons Regional Council. Um, you must look at the Palmerston North City Council chambers with a degree of envy because you, you're compact in Bijou. Are you really going to get 14 councillors around that table and still have room for media and audience and submitters and and, and staff? Yeah, it is It is going to
1: be snug. It is going to be snug, but we generally do have one or two free seats around the table uh, every meeting. It's only if we've got a number of presenters who come up and, and sit around the table. So, yep, we can we can fit in there. We do have the issue with Horizons is that with all of the extra work we've taken on, particularly with the COVID funding for jobs from Jobs for Nature and things that came through last year and other areas of business that we've expand, expanded into, we have, um, we have grown and we are looking at what the options are because we don't really all fit in that building anymore and um, so, yeah, in the long term, we we may not be there forever, but we can make it work at the moment.
0: Well, given that Te Al-Nui is generally only, some of the spaces are, are very infrequently used, they're there for a purpose. Is, is there perhaps room to expand some of the daily uh, operations of Horizons across there and stay on Victoria Avenue?
1: Yeah, so there, there's definitely, we're using some of those spaces in that way at the moment. And we've considered using the larger room into our for the council chambers. Um, that's you know, so we we are we're actively looking at all of the options to make it work.
0: Very good. Um, we've got a few minutes left. Let's move to the other review that people should be aware of right now. And we've touched on this service already in the in the interview, but this is the bus review. Uh, and as I've said, I think more than twice in this interview as well. This is the, the forward facing aspect of um, Horizon's work. This is what most people would uh, complain about as well as uh, celebrate in the region, I'm quite sure. And this is their chance to actually document uh, their comments and try and see some change.
1: Yeah, so if you haven't already submitted, you've got Until Tomorrow, it closes on Friday. Um, And what we're doing is we've put out a couple of proposals for the future of the buses in Palmerston North. And we're really looking for your feedback as to which of those different systems you think work better. Um, In a nutshell, one of them is uh, based on the idea that we try and cover as much of the city as possible. And so you'd have no more than 400 metres to walk to a bus stop, which is the distance that the network is currently set up to. But we are streamlining the bus services. So rather than having these large, meandering, alternating loops that people get very confused about and stand on the wrong side of the road, they are going to be more direct in and out, you know, radiating up from the centre of the city out to a suburb and straight back in on the same line. Um, So that's one, one of them. And the other one is the same idea, but having slightly fewer routes and with the extra resourcing, that freeze up is having much more frequent buses. So the buses would be leaving every 15 minutes during peak times. So that's almost to the frequency where you could not worry so much about the timetable because, you know, if you go stand at a bus stop within 15 minutes, you'll be picked up. So it's really, that, you know, there's, there's some costs there weighing off as to which people would prefer um, so, and, and also we're tweaking, we're bringing the Massey service because that had its own dedicated service. We're, we're bringing it in so it's a bit more streamlined and connected to the existing service, um, proposing service changes for Ashurst and some other minor tweaks around the place. Um, and of course, you know, the, the existing bus routes are changing. So really looking to hear what people think about what we're
0: so you're very much uh, set on the routes must change, the meandering routes must go, it's going to be more direct. It's just whether you have a set number uh, or you increase uh, the frequency but have fewer routes. That's, that you're, you're not entertaining the idea that someone might go, well, I like it just the way it is.
1: Well, there will be people who say that, people who are familiar with it. But what we found the last time we did a big review is there was a distinct difference between those people who provided comments and already use the bus and those that don't use the bus. So those that already used it, we're happy because they understand the system they're used to it. Those who don't use the bus chose something different from what was here because they found the current setup confusing. It's not logical um, and easy to follow. So that's why we are moving away from that system because there's nothing worse than making it confusing. I mean, at the very basic level, it's impossible to put neatly into a timetable, an alternating loop system. It is very, very difficult to do and everyone complains about the timetable and not being able to figure it out. So I think that's a really good starting point to, to make it simpler and straightforward.
0: So you may not have these uh, figures to hand, and I apologise in advance for putting you on the spot, but the, the option where uh, the routes are more direct but perhaps less frequent so that you can have more routes, uh, how many routes is that and how many would we lose to go to the, 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 the fewer routes but the more frequent buses?
1: Well, if you go online to (laughs) haveyoursay.horizons.govt.nz, there's a really great interactive website, and you can see that precisely as to where it goes. So most of them are um, in the more frequent setting. They are going along the main roads. So you'd have one going up and down College Street and one going up and down Main Street and sort of walking the distance in between, whereas at the moment you have one on College Street, you have one on Ferguson or whatever Ferguson becomes down there and well main pioneer highway you know so it's almost like taking out some of those in between ones and uh just stretching the distance a bit further but of course we've tweaked it to make sure it still works for schools um things like your retirement villages people you know gold card users that use the service a lot so all of those things we're really looking for people to give us some feedback as to have we got it right and the other key point too is it's not just with people who take buses we don't want just their feedback we want to know people who don't take a bus. What system would mean you could use the bus as a viable form of transport?
0: Um, to what extent? And I say this because the, the the rollout of the B card was not without its its worries and, and foibles, and and there was an expense associated with that. How much of the? Because the, the the biggest aspect to the B card, as far as I was concerned, was the idea that you'd be able to garner data on how people were mm-hmm. interacting with the bus service when they were getting on, which you knew already, but also when they were getting off, uh, as a way of mm-hmm. assessing the viability of the routes. So how much is that data? informed this and thus justified the expense of the scheme in the first place?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's provided a huge amount of information for the basis for this review. Even things like, you know, we have the the buses that radiate out. We're linking two of them together. So one of them might start, I I can't remember off the top of my head which one's linked, but one in Awapuni might start there, go through the centre of town, and then go straight out to Kelvin Grove. So we've looked at the... Um, people who do transfer, where do they transfer? So which are the maybe the school routes that have the biggest level of transfer? So that that has informed those kinds of aspects.
0: Marvellous. And it was uh, haveyoursay.horizons.govt.nz, if I'm right there? That's right. Yep, Marvellous. Right. And you'll be
1: able to go there for the representation review as well.
0: Splendid. There we go. Uh, Chairperson Rachel Keedwell from Horizons Regional Council, thank you for joining us on the catch-up this morning.
1: Thanks, Fraser.
0: And remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch-Up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We'll be back tomorrow at half past eight with another edition featuring Tangi Utikeri from uh, the, the MP for Palmerston North. Make sure you join us then. Bye for now. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the kiwi fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatū People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favorite show.